Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I think that, you know, given everything that happened in my life and and some of the things that did happen uh, throughout my childhood, a, a big thing does stick out that if I ever wanted to do anything, the question that my parents would ask was, is there anybody else in the world doing that thing? And if the answer is yes, then of course you can. And if there isn't, then you just might need a little bit more time. So to me, that's just how my brain has always worked, that I don't see anything that is me as that limitation because people are doing it. So of course I can. I just have to figure out how. And I, you know, a lot of time I try to spend with my coaching clients and consulting clients is we, we talk a lot about grit and resilience and how to get those things. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Kelly, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. It is my pleasure to have you here. So I was introduced to you by way of one of our former guests, uh, Christine McAllister, who told me that you had a story that the minute I read the description, my immediate reaction was, holy shit and hell yes, I want to have Kelly as a guest. Um, So I want to start by asking you, what did your parents do for work and how did that end up influencing where you've ended up and what you've done with your life? I love this is why I love you. Like it's a whole thing. Okay. So my (laughs) parents, uh, my mother, when I was born was an RN in the neonatal intensive care unit. And my father at the time was in construction. Uh, My mother quit her job and didn't work again after I was six. And my father had his own business where he moved from construction to antique restoration, into custom cabinetry. So Mm. for me, um, and we might get into some of this later on, kind of drop all of this now, but like we, when um, everything hit like in 2008, you know, and and earlier than that, like that was the big one. And then before we lost everything, we lost the house, we lost the car, we lost everything. And for me, the driving force and my entire value system and why I get up every day and do the things that I do is so that I'm never, ever in that position ever again. So that is yeah. what they did and then what they did not do 
shaped me in every way. Mm. How old were you when that happened? 14. Okay. So at the age of 14, uh, you know, you're obviously in adolescence at that point, uh, you know, old enough to understand everything that's going on in the world around you, you know, very different than it would be if you were like a three-year-old. What did that do for your own perception uh, about the value of of money and and wealth and success? Uh, You know, what's interesting is I am going to go back a little bit farther because ever since I was really, really little, I want to say, you know, my, my mom would like send me into the store to get something. So I was, I was old enough to do that. Right. But not enough to, to do anything else. I was like hyper aware and I don't even know the word that I didn't have enough money to buy whatever it is what, that she wanted me to get. For example, if she wanted me to go in and get a, a piece of bread or a loaf of bread, I would not go in with anything less than a $20 bill. Like I was like scared or, or embarrassed or whatever that I wouldn't have enough money. So that I think was super entrenched early on. Um, and as I got older, it kind of morphed in really weird ways that we don't have any money. People with money are not um, generous or kind or, um, you know, that they're bad people in some way, that they're not sharing it, that they did something that we're not going to do to do that because we're more moral than that. Um, and that was really entrenched my entire life from from very early, well into adolescence and early adulthood. Yeah. I mean, to build a successful business, I think any one of us has to change that narrative, mm-hmm. right? And I, there's always a quote about money that uh, Seth Godin says in one of his programs that always stayed with me. He said, money is a story. It's a story for investment bankers who make $3 a second and peasants who make $3 a mm-hmm. day. Uh, and I wonder, like, have you overcome that scarcity mindset? And if so, how? And you know, how do other people do it? I, I would like to say now I have overcome that. I had a recent experience where I was testing, like sending a new uh, contractor some uh, a payment or something. And, and to test it, I just sent a test payment, not everything that I owed them, right? I chose, interestingly, in my, in my brain to send $100. And when he said, I don't, like you were testing it, it worked, but I don't know why you sent a dollar, why you didn't just send a dollar. <laughs> and in my like, at that moment, I was like, I overcome the scarcity thing, right? Like, like I was not overly emotionally attached to the other $99, right? That it just was mm-hmm. like, hey, we're just going to test this and we're going to send that out. So for me, I think it's going to be a, probably a lifetime, maybe even everybody to have to focus on that in some way and not tie any sort yeah. of intrinsic value or emotion to money that it is a tool, right? It is a story. Mm-hmm. I love how mm-hmm. Seth put that, puts that. But I would like to yeah. say that I am over it or at least over the hurdle, the biggest hurdle of it and, and moving to the other side. But I coach a lot of people, um, you know, beginning entrepreneurs, and that is such a big thing. The way that it raises its head, which is so interesting to me, um, an early entrepreneur, um, I teach digital agency owners, but is what they charge, that they are mm-hmm. only yeah. willing to charge what they are comfortable paying, not what it's <laughs> worth or, and it's such a low number. Right. Like it's but it's all rooted in this same place that everybody's on a different spectrum of that journey. But it it raises its head really big there. And we do coach through it. That has to be that it is kind of the way that I put it is like, okay, if, you know, say you owe me a thousand dollars and that seems like a lot. Well, what if we call them coconuts? What if you say this this is a thousand (laughs) coconuts? Right. And yeah. you, okay, you don't have a thousand coconuts. That's, that's cool. There's a, there's for some reason less of an emotional trigger 
with, hey, man, I just don't have a thousand coconuts to give you for this. Right. Then I don't have a thousand dollars. Right. Like even saying it out loud, like I can feel it in my body that it feels different. And it's like that is such an interesting thing to me that everybody, I think, struggles with or tries to overcome in their own way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I grew up in an Indian family where my dad drives an $80,000 car and now, cause he's a tenured professor and has done well for himself, but he'll drive across town to save 15 cents mm-hmm. on gas. Because that yeah, mentality is, just doesn't go, I think you have to actively be aware of it and then work to understand why it's there. I don't think that, Yeah. I don't think that we can like stop behaviors. I think we have to replace them. Mm-hmm. And so Totally. But it, that that can only come from understanding of why it's there in the first place. Well, that's the, the you know, my dad and I will have this debate when he'll ask me to do stupid chores around the house. And, you know, like my cousin, uh, who's a postdoc at Boulder, uh, you know, and a hardware engineer who just got a job interview at Tesla. That poor kid spent the entire Christmas vacation cleaning my parents garage and helping my uncle. And I told my dad, I was like, I'm not going to help you for shit. I'm like, I will do the job, but I will put an ad on Craigslist and I will get a teenager in here mm-hmm. who's in high school to spend the week doing this. And he's like, that's not how you're supposed to think about these things. I was like, I'm an entrepreneur. I delegate mm-hmm. shit that I don't want to do. Right. You know, like my time is worth more mm-hmm. than that. And so, you know, that logic really didn't compute for him. Um, but it's funny, you know, you bring up this whole idea of how much to charge because uh, this is a conversation I've had with people in my own, you know, private membership community where I encouraged each one of them to raise their prices by 20%. Mm-hmm. Even though they were all scared shitless, the minute they did, some of them came back and said, we just paid for the cost of being part of this mm-hmm. program because of what you told us. It's huge. And, you know, my thing yeah. is, and, and people will argue with me, it's a whole thing. But if you are talking to the same person and they believe in what you're doing, they trust you, you've told them the plan, they know the outcome, they're not going to not work with you for 20% more. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be a hurdle. That hurdle is internal. It is not an external one. Well, I think the reason that this had always struck me was because Dan Kennedy actually, in his Wealth Attraction seminar, mentions that he routinely, when takes when he takes on a client, um, he institutes a 200% price increase. Mm-hmm. And everybody pushes back on him. And being Dan Kennedy – he also institutes a commission as part of his, you know, working mm-hmm. with them. So naturally he benefits tremendously when he does right. that. And they're all apparently stunned when somebody actually pays mm-hmm. it. Stunned. Like cannot believe it. <laughs> it's a whole thing. I don't, I, I do find it interesting that they could sell it being so shocked. Right. But I hope that it, it in, in the people I work with too, like in their brains, that if they could sell something and not believe in the price that much, that it literally had nothing to do with the price. Yeah, I mean, I, I I remember I got paid just what was an absurd amount of money, which I won't mention on air because it sounds obnoxious, <laughs> um, to basically show up over Zoom, like over a virtual meeting for a conference for a pharmaceutical company and literally spend five minutes basically as the MC introducing the speakers. Mm-hmm. I mean – it was one of the biggest paydays I'd ever seen from a speaking engagement, and I was kind of stunned. But then I did the math in my head. I was like, all right, let me get this straight. This is a pharma company. Let's say they have 10 drugs, $30 a month for every person who you know, takes this drug, you know, spend, you know, and put, multiply that times a million people, and that's not counting what the insurance companies are paying. I was like, okay, these guys are printing money. This is pocket mm-hmm. change for them. No, it's huge. I'm glad I'm not the only person that does stuff like that, by the way. <laughs> so yeah. I go out in the world, and I'm like, hmm. 
I wonder what this is and try to do so in the math backwards. And I'm always, I love to, I mean, as entrepreneurs, like I'm, you know, I have my office and I'm in my office now and I spend time in here, but I try to get out in the world because it really does remind you a what's available in the world, just in general, all of the creativity and things, but also how much money there is in the world, right? Like if you're not getting your piece of it, chances are it has something to do with knowledge, access, or confidence. Knowledge and access can Mm. be solved very easily. And then the other is going to take a little bit of time, depending on who you put yourself around. But it's a solvable situation. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. Aweber, simpler email marketing. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Well, speaking of solvable situations, I think that it makes a, a perfect segue to the main reason that I wanted to have a conversation with you. Uh, when Christine referred me to you, she said, you know, you have to talk to Kelly. She is a communications coach who was diagnosed with autism and overcame it. And I thought, wait a minute, like those two things are the most unlikely combos ever. <laughs> you know, like how in the world does somebody, you know, make a career out of something that literally is the thing that is, you know, almost, you know, defines their challenges. Mm -hmm. So first let's, let's talk about sort of, you know, one, how old were you when you, you know, you realize this or, you know, your parents realized this, how did it affect your relationships growing up? And then, you know, we'll get deeper into it, but let's start there. So I always knew that I was different. I just didn't know why. And I, so I was homeschooled from sixth grade on. And so I was isolated in that way. I, I competed horses. Um, I'm an inventor um, or was. And so I was really isolated in that way and, and took a, I'm a super late bloomer. So that's the whole thing. And I never really realized why things were so hard, but I did realize through like trying to communicate in certain ways or being reprimanded in certain ways that I didn't think that other people were struggling in the way that I was. And I knew that their brains didn't work in the way that I did, but I didn't have any vocabulary for that. Um, my, throughout my whole life. So I'm 35 now and, um, it wasn't really brought up as a diagnosis until I was 33. So I didn't wow. know what it was. I was just in okay. a situation of trying to get through and do the things that I needed to do. Um, this was actually even after my father died. Um, he died of pancreatic cancer really quickly, um, in 2019 and my mother went into a nursing facility where she is now still. So all of this was after lots of things that happened in a really difficult 18-month period of my life, which sent me to therapy. <laughs> so um, based on that, that's really kind of where that came from. She was um, realizing, I think, some of the things that was making my brain really different. And the way that I mostly understand it now is it, it makes me really black and white. Gray spaces are really, really difficult for me. And mm -hmm. which is probably why you're like, how do you communicate? Right. How does that even yeah. correlate here? My mother's borderline personality and only was diagnosed in that same period. So only a couple of years ago. And we just knew my mother as being her. Right. Um, but after my father died, lots of things happened, learned, learned lots of things that the family calls what happened, quote, the changes happened in her at five. So, this has been lifelong for her struggle. She has not tried to get any help. So I was raised in that kind of chaos. I'm not sure how much you understand about borderline personality or anybody listening here, but just basically it is that they are extremely emotional all of the time and have zero ability to control themselves. Um, and mm -hmm. it's a very volatile situation all of the time. And it's yeah. really difficult. I actually recently met somebody whose mother was borderline and we instantly connected because nobody understands what's happening or how to even describe what it could be like to be raised in such a volatile situation. And it, it could be whatever set her off today wouldn't tomorrow. So it also was very unpredictably volatile, which has its own set of issues for children, right? I'm also an only, so mm -hmm. it was just me. Um, and... There's actually a television show called Lie to Me. I'm not sure if you've ever um, mm -hmm. come Yeah, that. I've heard of it. Love it. Oh yeah. my goodness, love it. Always have. I'm rewatching it um, lately. And there is a, a character. It's the Monica Raymond character. And similar to her, she was she was raised in a, in a uh, very volatile situation. 
And she learned how to essentially lie to me is about, can you detect if somebody's being deceptive in any way? And mm-hmm. it, for anybody that's wondering about it, watch that. It kind of explains a little bit. But because I was in a state of needing and feeling like I was in a survival state all of the time, I can tell the second that something changes in someone else there, the way that wow. they feel, their energy there. I can tell from a look that something has happened from a, a tone change, the way that they've stopped using their hands or started using their hands or what they're touching or just the fact that something has changed. I can, I can tell it instantly. Now, you don't know necessarily why, right? And that is a little bit harder for me because of the spectrum issues for me, um, that that is still a bit of a mystery, but I know that it's happened. And mm-hmm. sometimes I can know it, sometimes I don't, but it, it can set you off internally because that is, that is a gray area, right? I don't know yeah. why that. So, I mean, well, what I wonder, you know, there are multiple questions that come from that. So you and I, while you and I are having this conversation, do you have sort of an ability to just, in, you know, inherently sense where my energy is at and how engaged I am because of yes. that? Yes. And if it changes, I'll know it. Wow. Now, if it were to change, if you suddenly, you know, picked up that something just is off here, Shreen doesn't seem engaged or it looks like he's distracted by something, mm-hmm. um, you know, you mentioned that you wouldn't, you know, necessarily know why you would sense it. Like, what wouldn't your typical reaction be if that happened? Yeah. Not that that's happening now because, you know, I'm no, it's not. You're super captivated yeah. by you. The, yeah. I go into what's called over-functioning. And so this is really, again, lots of therapy. It's a whole thing. But because I was trying to make it better or stop it or keep it from happening, I can and do try to then pull you back in in a way that you might not necessarily feel. So interestingly, this whole skill equates really well to sales, by the way, but Mm -hmm. because I can feel it and then bring it back again, I don't know why, like I can't see you. It would be different if I could see you. Right. So I might know why, Hey, you just looked at his phone. He just got something right. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, something happened in the background. I can't see any of that. So I will just know that something happened. And then I'll try to bring it, bring it back. Okay, so this actually raises a question about sort of what, you know, most people who, you know, only kind of experience, you know, what it means to be on the spectrum uh, through sort of media portrayals and and books we read misunderstand about it. Because uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Parenthood, uh, which is probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Uh, So, you know, one of the families finds out their son has Asperger's uh, when he's, you know, five years old. And watching the development of that character is probably one of the most, in, you know, intriguing parts of that entire show because, you know, they have to basically figure out all sorts of ways to work with him. And it turns out that, you know, he's got all these sort of, you know, weird quirks, some of which make him brilliant at certain things and, you know, socially like very difficult to deal with. Now, you mentioned that you can instantly sort of tell if something changes in somebody. And, you know, for what I'm told that one of, you know, at least as I understand it, and this is why I wanted to ask this question. Um, one of the challenges that people on the spectrum have is being able to read facial expressions and emotional cues. Mm-hmm. And that's, so that for me, again, through lots of therapy and things like that is understanding that that was created from my childhood that it is a survival technique that I learned. But interestingly, I may or may not. So let's just say for argument's sake, you you could do the same thing, right? You would probably have a much stronger idea of why 
I probably don't know why. Um, I have a hard time distinguishing if like what is causing it because of, again, that's a gray area of understanding maybe, Hey, maybe you told me something earlier, something might be happening. I might not go back to that. I might not know that because I am now in that survival mode and I can't think out of it other than to make sure that you're okay so that I can then feel okay again. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering. Like, so if you said something and it didn't land well, you would know that something has changed, but you wouldn't necessarily know why. Right. Sometimes I don't know why. And some of my friends say, you know, Kelly, for a lot of the things that you understand and you're smart and you, you know, all of these things, how did you not see that? <laughs> that comes up in my life all of the time. And it's because I'm on the spectrum. I didn't see that. That was not something that I might have understood or could have seen coming or, or understood about somebody's behavior. Um, mm-hmm. Human behavior, I might not understand why. Right. So I just I can right. understand that yeah. it happened. Yeah. You I mean, so l- let's talk about this whole idea of, of a spectrum, right? Because in my conversation with you, I mean, I, you know, you and I were talking off the air here about an episode that, you know, we aired with somebody who was on the spectrum and um, it ended up, you know, have been, we had to take it down because the person was so upset. Uh, so, you know, there's sort of a wide range because like, as I'm talking to you, like if I didn't know this backstory, Nothing about the way you're communicating with me would make you seem like you're a person on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, so when I why is that perception like created? Like, why do we have this perception of sort of you know it's kind of Rain Man or some you know like you know Elon Musk? Fair. Um, I think media has a lot to do with that. The spectrum is a really long and wide place. There's lots of reasons why things may not be, but also things similar to my childhood that might have affected how something has been developed or something that might have been developed in a hypersensitive way that may not have been in others. So I think that the, you know, Mm -hmm. TV, media, things like that, movies have a big impact on where that lands. And, you know, we're also different in, in how we were raised, what we came in contact with. So like when I would, this was, you know, early teens, well into my twenties, I would carry a notebook around with me. When people do this, they mean that. When this happens, this, like I spent an incredible amount of time trying to learn what was going on um, because I didn't understand. And still now, like, again, I might recognize that it happened, but I still may not know why I could go, you know, to a close friend of mine and say, I don't understand this. And that's when I get the Mm -hmm. response. I mean, they'll tell me they're kind, (laughs) right? But like, I don't, you know, in their brains, they're like, I don't know how you can do that and not this. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, 
write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. Aweber, simpler email marketing. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah. Well, so that's what I what I wonder then is, you know, how does this impact your, you know, your friendships, your relationships, all of that? Uh, you know, when you communicate, like, what is it like for you to form a deep bond with somebody versus somebody who's not on the spectrum? Interestingly, two of my closest friends are on the spectrum. Um, and that just, we didn't know that about each other until later. Um, it just, I actually want to say maybe three, um, are kind of in that same place. So we're resonating with each other on a level that we didn't understand at the time. Um, Mo, I am, again, I think because of you know, the fact that I am on a spectrum, I am as upfront and honest as a person probably comes because I can't live <laughs> otherwise. Right. It just yeah. doesn't, uh, it doesn't compute for me. I don't know how to live in that space. So, um, right. when it, it was joke from, um, actually when I, I came out many years ago that everybody knew, but me. So instead of me saying like, Hey, 
you know, guys, I'm gay. It was, Hey, now I know. Right. And so like when I came, um, when I was telling them about, you know, that I've been diagnosed on the spectrum, it was similar. Hey, now I know. <laughs> right. Because they understood yeah. they were not shocked in any way, the people closest to me. And interestingly, you brought up some things that we were talking about off air. One of them was a little bit of the alter ego effect, you know, and there's a book about that, that in certain situations we can become this person. So who I am in my professional um, life and, you know, who you're talking to now, of course, is the same person as I am off camera and offline, but to an extent, I, I have learned how to live in this space in a way that I can communicate in this way that doesn't, I wouldn't say always at all, co- correlate to personal life. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, at the age of 33, man, I think it, it sounds like to me, like you sort of inherently knew this for a very long time, but what does that do to your sense of identity when you were actually told this or, you know, you get this, you know, formal diagnosis or label because, you know, often once somebody labels as a something, we can, you know, sort of give into that Pygmalion effect and say, oh, okay, that's, you know, who I am. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I have no natural musical aptitude at all. And I had a, you know, band director who the day I picked up the tuba, literally the day I picked up the instrument said, you're going to make all state band for no good reason. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why the hell he said mm-hmm. that to this day. And I did. You know, and it kind of was just him planting that seed made me want to live up to that expectation. But then there's, you know, a situation, for example, like you get diagnosed with autism as a label uh, or being on the spectrum as a label. And I wonder, like, how that shapes your sense of identity for better or worse. I think I'm glad that I didn't know it when I was younger, because at this stage of my life, I know who I am. And I think if I had had that, it would have potentially, of course, we'll never know. But it could have made it different, a crutch of some sort that I might not have gotten yeah. to the success that I have been able to get to because I didn't have that. Interestingly, also, my brain doesn't work in that way. So, you know, if we want to start calling off labels, you know, it's like, hey, you know, my childhood was, you know, abusive, emotionally abusive and traumatic. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for eight years. I'm gay and I'm autistic. But I don't go through it every day at all thinking of any of them because I'm just me and I yeah. know that there's things that I can do in the world and I just continue forward. I actually attribute that to the spectrum behavior of literally just not caring. <laughs> so, okay. Most people, you know, are incredibly sensitive to things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get told certain things by our parents, you know, my parents of my entire life told me that I'm absent minded, which to some degree is true until I got diagnosed with ADD. I was like, Oh, cool. Now I have an explanation for all of this behavior. Um, so how do you, you know, if you're not somebody like you who just doesn't give a shit, um, how does somebody begin to disconnect, you know, these limiting labels that they, you know, basically get from people around them from their sense of identity? I think that, you know, given everything that happened in my life and and some of the things that did happen uh, throughout my childhood, a, a big thing does stick out that if I ever wanted to do anything, the question that my parents would ask was, is there anybody else in the world doing that thing? And if the answer is yes, then of course you can. And if there isn't, then you just might need a little bit more time. So to me, that's just how my brain has always worked that I don't Uh see anything that is me as that limitation because people are doing it. So of course I can, I just have to figure out how, Uh and I, you know, a lot of time I try to spend with my, coaching clients and consulting clients is we, we talk a lot about grit and resilience and 
how to get those things, right? For me, it I think trying to overcome all of the things that I've tried to overcome, I have those things and I can sit here at my computer and did for a long time um, to get to where I am day after day after day, failing and not making the money that I should, you know, all these things. But it is rooted in that grit and resilience, which I think has something to do with how I think about it. But I want to and spend a lot of time trying to teach people how to get there. It's just a really hard thing to do when they're trying to overcome things that have happened to them or what they think about themselves. Yeah. Well, let's talk briefly about coming out. Um, I've had a handful of guests here who, uh, you know, have been gay or, or you know, uh, not straight. And they each of them had a very different experience mm-hmm. of coming out. Some of them had, you know, just overwhelmingly positive experiences and others literally became estranged from their mm-hmm. parents. Um, so what is, you know, for, for somebody like me who is, is straight, who doesn't understand this experience, what do you want me to know about the experience of coming out? Um, it's funny. I've been asked this before and I don't think that I'm a good person to tell you that <laughs> because mine was completely yeah. uneventful. I told my mother sitting at the Island, you know, in the kitchen, I was, you know, about 23 or 24. And she said, okay, go tell your father. <laughs> and I did. And he said, I love you. And that was it. That was absolutely, I have never wow. once in my life felt marginalized by my sexuality, um, which is, abnormal and arguably maybe it's just because i don't pick up on that right like maybe that's the spectrum stuff being like i don't know what that is but it's not this because that's not a thing i have no idea um but have plenty of friends who over the years have experienced you know a wide range of that from what i experienced all the way to you know having to go to quote get the gay out camps right like that's still a whole thing and being estranged from their families so um, yeah, I I saw a documentary about that about a Christian cult mm-hmm. about that literally you know tries to get I, I don't remember the there was a, a you know documentary on Netflix about this and we we're like holy shit yeah. this actually exists right no it's still a thing that is unreal like here we are in you know twenty twenty one on the verge of twenty twenty two and something like that still exists mm-hmm. isn't it crazy to think about I think you know I I guess I'm isolated or, or the people that I hang out with is just not a thing but. That that stuff still exists in the world. Yeah. Okay. So I think the thing that, like I said, struck me most is the the combination of two things you would never imagine going together: being, you know, diagnosed with being on the spectrum and becoming a communications coach. Mm-hmm. Like, how in the world did you find your way to that? Mm-hmm. And what is it that you have that enables you to be so good at that that somebody who you know has a brain that doesn't work like yours? wouldn't necessarily have. We'll start with how I got here. So I actually went to school for web design development and programming. And when I got out of school, I uh, started working at local uh, companies and then started my company in 2008. Um, when the, when the economy was down, it was great. Um, but moved from website development into marketing. Um, now our lead generation company, um, my agency is, and it's just been moving forward since then. And, you know, from that point, to get me here, now I work with um, some digital agency owners and things like that. And I started my coaching program to teach them how to do the agency thing, right? But then during this coaching program, we're sending out, um, you know, these these forms for them to fill out. Like, what do you like about it? You know, what did you think that it was? What was it? You know, what's keeping you here? You know, all of these things that we wanted to know about the program. And I was started getting back 
responses from lots of people in very, I mean, different countries, different, you know, positions, you know, things like that, that I want to learn to communicate like you. And I'm like, huh. And so this, this started years ago. And so that was kind of the first time where I came into contact with, okay, maybe this, I, I didn't understand it at first, but I knew that they were there for that, that I, that they wanted to learn to communicate like me. So we, we got them all in a room, started talking more about it and trying to figure out, you know, what that meant. Cause that was still kind of a gray space for me. Like I didn't have any definition of what that meant. And, you know, in, from the lens that they were talking about at the time, it was, you know, client management, sales, you know, talking to employees and contractors um, in a way to get things done in a efficient manner while that person still feels um, empowered and happy. And um, I guess he may even resilient through the process. And so th- this kind of has morphed over the years where now I'm asked to speak um, to other, you know, coaching groups and things like that about emotional intelligence, connection, communication, and how those three things can fuel anything that you want to do, I think in life, honestly, but at the lens that we're usually talking about it, it's through business, right? Because those three things, if you can have any sort of understanding of those three, you are going to be so far ahead of anyone else. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. So your clients, when, you know, they came to you with all of this, did they know that you're on the spectrum? No, because okay. I haven't been diagnosed yet. I mean, they might have had ah, their thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. But yeah. Well, what, let's talk about that. I mean, you, you, you take something like being on the spectrum and you turn it into a combination of emotional intelligence, communication, you know, persuasion, all the things that enable you to accomplish, you know, things that everybody here probably listening wants to be able to accomplish. How do you cultivate all of those things? Because I, I remember, uh, you know, there's a class in business school, you know, that you take called organizational behavior. And it's all, it's funny because half of those things are, you know, the books that I read now and many of the guests that I have in the podcast. And I think every student, you know, in our first year, is like, this is a bullshit class. It's the most sort of soft, you know, class with the least concrete things. And then you get out of business school and you realize that was the most important class mm-hmm. you took. No, it, that is probably, I wish, I, I can't remember who I was having a conversation with, but somebody about how they wish that there were more, like at the time you didn't know. But then as they were graduating and going into uh, managing companies that they wish that they had more of that knowledge or training or information to be able to be in roles where you, we were trying to look after people essentially. Yeah. So talk to me about, you know, the process that you, you know, walk people through to enable them to be more effective in all these areas. So my biggest thing, and, and it comes up in, in our coaching programs, but you know, they're like, I want to communicate like Kelly. And I'm like, I don't want in any way ever for any reason to make a bunch of me's running around. I want (laughs) you and me both, right? Like it's just not a thing, but I want them to understand how to think around things. So the way that I, I start them off and this is, you know, even for me, still a process that we're all still learning and how to do this because I'm trying to take part of my spectrum stuff that I might not understand why it's still there. Um, and you know, that decade or more of carrying a notebook around of trying to figure this out and reading all of the things, how do I take all of that and teach somebody? Well, in, in this, in the people that, that want to communicate like me, that I was communicating about, um, they, it's overlaid on business. So I try to, every time they come to me with something, 
try to outlay and have them verbally outlay the steps that got them there and to look around it and find any open door that they possibly can. It might not be the right path. It might not be the best thing, but how many different ways can you look at this thing? That I think comes from my, you know, autism and spectrum that it's, it's trying, I'm trying so hard to figure things out all of the time because I don't understand them that I try, I can see Mm -hmm. lots of different sides of it. And then if you can see lots of different sides of it, then like the more I get to know you, the more that I would know which one of those would suit you more. Right. And then Mm -hmm. I can tailor that to you. Okay. Well, his brain works in this way because I could never control how mine worked and it didn't understand, but I could in a very black and white way, try to understand how you did. And if I could understand how you did, then I could communicate with you. And then when you get good at Mm -hmm. it, you can do that to other people as well. And you get better at understanding there's certain types of people and how these types of people do interact and, and engage. And once you can put people into a kind of a finite number of buckets, then you know how to then communicate with them. Yeah. You, this was something I meant to ask you about the notebook. You know, all these things that you write down, do you have them sort of encoded in your brain at this point? Mm-hmm. I would say so. Yeah. Um, I actually went through this whole process and I burned all of the books um, after it was years that I hadn't used them. And, and I was like, I feel like I've kind of made it, you know, it was like one of those like rides of passage kind of things, I think. Um, and I burned all of them and felt like, okay, like, you know, I'd, I'd made my business. I, you know, I had people working for me. I was successful. I'm not saying that I don't learn every single day, but I, I do. I just, I'm not that person anymore. Well, I mean, outside of the fact that you don't understand, you know, why people react the way they do sometimes, even though you instantly know something has changed, what are the, you know, challenges that you face uh, in communicating with people? Like, what are your biggest ones? So this, I think, kind of comes down to the difference in me, like business-wise and personality-wise or personally. Like, if you change, I'm probably not going to take it personally or think that something's going to go wrong in our relationship, right? But if it was a personal relationship, it, it triggers that instability because of my early childhood. It's coming from that, that if something changed, it meant that love was being taken away. So the alter ego that comes in business doesn't fear that. It's not a thing. We don't have mm-hmm. that. But in personal relationships, it does, which is why I behave differently. Okay. So then how do you resolve conflicts in your personal life? Like, what is that experience like for you? Learning every day. Um, the, the communication is hard. I find that I struggle with the uh, kind of the, what I recognize as being the autism side of feeling everything extremely all of the time. <laughs> and that is hard to manage when you have emotions like that uh, and to control yourself and be aware of the other ones while you're being triggered probably by the other person anyway. Um, that for me is the biggest struggle. And I do find that that when people say like, or ask, you know, what's the biggest thing that, that feels, you know, like you are on the spectrum, you're autistic. It is that everything that happens that you feel all of the time is so intense and how to chill that out to have any idea of how to move forward or how to communicate. You have to settle that down. Um, and that can be hard for you and for whoever you're talking to. So it, it seems to me like that also could have some profound benefits as well in terms of being a creative person, because my sort of instinct with creative work is, you know, sort of how does this make me feel? 
everything is sort of driven by that. It, it, my sort of default rule when I write something or share something and, you know, when I cut an interview in the middle, it's basically because I was like, if I'm not going to feel it, nobody else will. Mm-hmm. I find that to be the hardest thing to teach. And, and I do even wonder if you can teach it. Yeah. Um, well, one other thing I wonder, you know, we kind of have referenced parents, uh, yours throughout this conversation, you know, for parents who are listening to this, who might have, you know, kids on the spectrum, I mean, given that you've overcome what seemed, you know, almost impossible odds, uh, what, what advice would you give them? You know, especially if, if, you know, that they're severe or, you know, not as severe. Two, this is going to, you're going to think this is so weird one of them, but two of the things that may have made the biggest impact in my life, like to date as a 35, like we're talking about a lot of time here, right. Is going to therapy, having the ability to talk through things. My, the, the first couple of times uh, that I went to see my therapist, she was like, I'm hearing a lot of, I don't understand. <laughs> like, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the anxiety that that can cause the stress that that can cause, um, can permeate lots of things, but I was so stressed out all of the time um, because of not being able to, you know, fully understand. I think myself, or trying to be potentially even a person that I wasn't, and being able to, I think, kind of goes back to the labels. Not necessarily that I felt labeled, but it made me feel more comfortable that it was defined. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, massage therapy that I've been going. I get wow. a weekly massage, a half for the last I don't know three, three and a half years, every week without fail. Um, as, cause I'm also somebody that's like, don't touch me. Right. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hug you. I don't particularly want you to touch me. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's just not something that I'm going to do, um, or want to happen in any way. Very spectrum me. Um, and so I avoided it forever. I'm like, I don't want that. Cause I don't want anybody to touch me. Right. But having that allowed muscles that don't get to relax, to relax and, you know, have that, um, very therapeutic Time changed my entire life. Wow. I think yeah, that people, no, I, I remember reading reading the book The Body Keeps Score, and you know, I had no idea that massage was such a powerful thing and, and touch was such a healing mm-hmm. thing. That is an excellent book. Anybody like that is so true. I read that I want to say about a year after I started getting massage therapy. And like, mm-hmm. now I can identify like, okay, you know, there's certain parts of my body that get super tight. My, my neck and shoulders, it is ridiculous um, how tight that they can become. And it, it's just the stresses of things. And I think, you know, again, the, the maybe not feeling completely comfortable, though I can, I sound like I'm completely comfortable, right? Not so much. If you can see my face, mm-hmm. it's bright red. I can feel it. It's hot. Right? <laughs> like, um, and there's this heat thing that happens, but I can modulate my voice. I've learned to do this in this professional way, right? So that just trying to be transparent for people that think that everything's completely fine and normal. It's not. Um, but yeah. the body keeps a score is understanding that these things happen and that we do have traumas and those emotions are stored in certain places. And, you know, being able, you know, through, I, I do like, you know, deep tissue therapeutic massages, um, but it really helps release some of that. And it's amazing what you feel afterwards, even from somebody that's like, no, please don't touch me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we touched on it briefly um, and I want to, you know, kind of bring us full circle. Uh, you know, we kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, our sort of media portrayals of people on the spectrum are, you know, 
things like Rain Man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have that show on Netflix, Dating on the Spectrum. And then I think the only one that I think in my mind, you know, I feel does a really good job of not, you know, sort of painting this awful picture is a show called Atypical. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen I it. Actually it's, have it's, seen they, that they've done a really times. good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as somebody who is on the spectrum, you know, what do you think that people who create media about this need to understand and, and misunderstand and those of us who com- you know consume this media misunderstand and, and you know what would you want to change about how we portray all of this in the media so it's it's I, I can equate it to you know like a you know being gay and seeing like gay people um being portrayed in media it's it's a little bit better now than it was but it's always this very stereotypical hyper-focused thing right um and it's the same way, I think, for people on the spectrum, because, you know, like I mentioned before, it's so long and so wide that you could be anywhere on it for any reason. Right. And to be able to portray that in a way that people, I think, who don't experience the thing or know somebody who is can understand that. I, I would at least like to think they're doing the best that they can. But I think that it's still very hyper focused and stereotypical. Wow. Wow. Um, well, this has been absolutely incredible and, you know, just filled with, you know, riveting stories and all sorts of, you know, funny nuggets and, you know, wise moments. Um, so I want to finish with my final question, which I know you've heard me ask. Uh, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? How they make somebody feel. For, mm. for me, I don't think it matters anything else but how it is that you show up and how it is you make people feel. Wow. Wow. Well, um, I think that that makes a really fitting end to a very thought provoking conversation. Uh, uh, where can people find out more about you, your work and everything else that you're up to? Definitely. So the easiest way to find me is to go to the Kelly and everything I'm doing over there. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story and your wisdom and insights with our listeners. I thank you so much for having me. The, the conversation, you know, you try to understand how it might be or, you know, what, what are we going to talk about? This went in a direction I, I absolutely love and how, how oh, upfront well, and honest you. and transparent everything is. I love it. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business, all without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. AWeber, simpler email marketing. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. 
Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot Code SUPER24. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.